This episode features discussion concerning the COVID-19 pandemic. Please refer to the CDC guidelines on COVID-19 that can be found at www.cdc.com slash coronavirus. Hello and welcome to Active Listeners with Mike and Shane. Each week, we will discuss our lives, our goals, and our expectations as artists, as well as discuss what it is to be an artist. Performers, visual artists, and musicians. Mike and I, we want to talk to you, and we want to talk to you about what you do, why you do it, and what that art really means to you. We'll have guests to discuss artistic expression and the all-around nature of the artist's lifestyle. And try to answer that question. Is there a de facto artist lifestyle? Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and join us in the conversation. Hello, and welcome to Active Listeners with Mike and Shane. And today's episode... I think we're going to talk about energy. E equals MC squared. That very hippy-dippy idea of finding that center truth, that nougat-y center that is in all of us. And uh, we're going to try to put it in less hippy-dippy terms for you today. Uh, At least at first. (laughs) Then we're going to talk to our special guest... Uh, Jason Taylor, a magnificent musician and definitely uh, into the mystic. So we'll talk to Jason about that later on. Uh, but first... Spoilers. Spoilers. Jason is my cousin he because is. I need to let everyone know that. I have a little bit of background and I'm probably going to give him a little bit of shit. That's fine. I, I, my, I might too. <laughs> Good. So before we get too deep into discussion. Let's identify, shall we? So Shane, how would you place, where would you place yourself in this, the, the cosmic scale of one, of one to 10 on the idea of mystic energies or immeasurable energies? I definitely put myself higher on that scale. Uh, if, if you're giving me a one to 10 scale, I got to go 10 just because even if it is not something I have lately imbibed into myself, it is something that I have always kind of had a deep understanding of. It was being able to identify auras and look at people's colors has been something I've been able to do for quite some time and is also something that I completely cut out of my life for various reasons. Sure. So pretty high, uh, quite frankly. I would place myself... Now, this is going to surprise you, but my reasoning won't surprise you, I don't think. I I think I squarely place myself at, like, a six. And I'll explain. While I don't subscribe to the notion of energy centers that that can't be recorded or measured by science... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we already going to be throwing out false information there, Mike Lake? Because... I do fully acknowledge the effectiveness of belief. Sure. And the desire to explain things in ways that make you feel good versus ways that may have other 
underlying reasoning. Yeah, I feel like you and I could have an entire episode on this without even bringing in a guest because instantly I want to give you shit because <laughs> just because our, you know, quote unquote, five senses are unable to identify some of those things does not mean that they don't exist and they are identifiable um, and you can via science find them i don't limit identifying features to our five senses um i limit identifying features to measurable information that can't be measured by science you can you can with science measure your penal gland output that produces a color and those are your chakras that's the thing you can that measure does exist. chemical reactions within the brain you can measure electrical impulses within the nervous system and you can measure adrenal output within your endocrine system which again is where i think the truth lies in this process Um, being able to consciously uh or subconsciously or maybe even in tandem i think we think about those two things two separate and they're really two separately And they, I don't think they really are as separate as we think they are. Able Manipulating your conscious mind in order to get your unconscious brain to perform to a certain level. And I, I do believe meditation is the way to do that. And I do believe that those that, that move their chakra energy through their, through their system, that's what they're doing. They're they are becoming more in tune with their natural body, the natural bodily functions. I just struggle with like, okay, well now, but now that we know as modern human beings that those systems are what's responsible for that, can't we just say that? Yeah, I think there's some hesitation for that though. I I don't completely understand why, but just because we can identify something doesn't mean we understand that thing. And I think that's where the frustration and the sort of confusion comes from. It's that oh, we can see this and we know where it's coming from. We know why it's produced. But what effect is that having not only on you personally inside your body, but how is that affecting the outside world? If it is something that we can measure outside of the body, that means it has an effect on our outside world. And that is something that is the real frou-frou up for conversation kind of stuff. There's more to heaven and earth than what lies in my philosophy. So who knows? You know, who knows what the... So who knows if where I've landed on this is the ultimate truth um, or, you know, or not. But um, again, I, uh, I definitely give it credence. I definitely give it its space because, again, it, it happens every day where you have, you know, these um, transcendent experiences i also try to look at it from the other point of view of what else do i have to lose i mean if my current state of mind of being fearful and not in the moment and unable to find a level of calm if that's not working what do i have to lose by tapping into something that i used to be very comfortable with sure you know, I've, I've said it in the past um, in our religion episode. If if what you believe is going to help you live a more fulfilled life and uh, reach your goals and attain, you know, your desired 
level of happiness or level of understanding, go for it. I'm not going to actively seek you out and... You're not going to berate me for having different beliefs? <laughs> Thanks, Mike. No, 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 no. I mean, different beliefs is, you know, that's how this show is even possible. <laughs> it does surprise me a little bit that you fall at a six. Part of me expected you to be lower. Part of me, part of me wanted you to be higher. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like, now I'll, I'll explain. So I explained why it's as high as it is. I'll explain why it's not higher. I truly believe that attaining knowledge is my purpose. Attaining knowledge is why I exist. And so anytime, any system, any, there's any bit of something that is leaving me to, to have faith in a thing without knowing the thing, I can't, that's a, that's a barrier. You know, it's a barrier for my participation on a level that makes me a true believer. <laughs> whenever, whenever faith is the, is, is the next step, that's where the stairs And that's, end. I find that. I don't know what I find that, but as an entertainer, as an artist, as a theater maker, I feel like all of what we do is faith-based, you know? We definitely have a, a stringent schedule for rehearsals and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, when we get in front of those people, that is a faith-based experience, for me at least. What's well, a faith-based experience in that I have faith in my ability. I have faith in the show that I've put together. I have faith in the reliability of human empathy and human, you know, human, the, the cohesion of humankind so that our experiences are relatable and translatable. And I have faith in those things, most certainly. So where does faith eventually transmute into dictated knowledge you know i look at if we think back you said earlier in the episode e equals mc square so let's take it back to that very basic you know einstein he sure had faith in his abilities of course and uh an understanding mm -hmm. of mathematics but eventually that faith was enough to turn into logic sure sure i mean i mean honestly truthfully there really isn't a division. There's just like, you know, the scale sure. of one to 10. There's just a scientific paper released the other day hypothesizing that maybe black holes don't exist at all. I heard that. So it's like, you know, who's, who's to say when the breadth of our knowledge is actually the breadth of knowledge? Yeah, the truth is always out there, but it's our ability to detect it right. and understand right. it. The truth isn't changing. It's our perception of that truth. Exactly. Not to go too far off topic, but I did not read that article. Did they give an explanation for what might be the thing we assume <laughs> uh, are black holes? You're going to get a kick out of this one. Vibrating space. I told you. Yeah, so it's it could be energy as a result of, as of now, unexplained vibrating pockets of space-time. Wormholes, for those of you listening at home. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. it's pretty much interesting there's also we might know what black matter is now um there's a lot of things yeah. that unfortunately are being overshadowed by some of the more ridiculous, 2020 yeah being overshadowed by 2020 right the now. world did not stop because 2020 happened you know we all did experimentation <laughs> and uh 
the expansion of knowledge has continued. Absolutely, which is why I have faith in the expansion of science-backed knowledge. Because regardless of what you think, science doesn't care about your feelings. It's true. I know uh, I have faith in our guest this evening, Jason Taylor. He's going to come on. I think he's going to learn us something good. I imagine he's going to have some stuff to say, and hopefully we can kind of learn from him, come out of it a little more a little more ourselves yeah. at the end. Yeah, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm always excited to see how our guests' points of view impact the work they do. And if you would like to impact the work that we do, you can do that really simply. You can go to www.patreon.com and you become a patron of the show. And ultimately, you will have effect in our lives. And now, Jason Taylor. Hello and welcome back. And we would like to introduce you to our guest this evening. That is one Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor. Uh, he is my cousin, so I do know him personally. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Nepotism. Would you mind? <laughs> would you mind taking a moment, telling us what your pronouns are, and a little bit about yourself? All right, sweet. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super grateful to be here. I love you, Cuzo, and uh, I'm really pumped. I've been looking forward to this ever since you asked me a couple weeks ago. Um, the pronoun game. I'm a he/him. Uh, you know, but uh, also I I've been other things uh, for brief periods of time, and I'm open to whatever you want to call me. Just don't call me late to lunch. Can do. <laughs> And uh, what about something about yourself? A little tidbit, a little fun fact. Cool. Okay. So um, I've been an artist my whole life and I first wanted to start a band after hearing Hanson Mbop on the radio and Shane staying with this in uh, grandma's house yep. that night. And the next morning I was like, we got to do this. We got to start a band. <laughs> and uh, I totally thought that Mbop was sung by a guy and a girl. Uh, yeah, there's definitely... Sure. There was definitely a range in, was it three of them, right? The Hansons? Three brothers. Three yeah, brothers. I mean, they had a pretty high, pretty high falsetto, so. Yeah, so it came full circle. This has been a really exciting year for me. Um, I signed a record deal with Universal, and oh, really? uh, they released a single of mine, and it charted all over the world internationally, uh, top 50 in rock, uh, alternative, um, adult contemporary, rather, and indie. But the whole world was shut down. So after my first tour date in Hawaii, I had to cancel uh, like two dozen flights. Oh, that's rough. Are you going to be able to reschedule or? Sure. Yeah. You know, when, when the time is right, I'm, I'm always going to want a tour. I love traveling and I love meeting people from around the world. And I just love sharing music. So it's definitely going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Lots of, lots of old school recording artists right now selling off the rights to their songs. They're going to go ahead and. Go into retirement, I guess, because this thing's been going on so long. Yeah, do you think it's yeah. COVID-related? I saw the headlines, but I didn't, I didn't read the articles. I just saw, you know, when you get to a certain point and you're offered $300 million, you got to say, throw in another <laughs> bill. <laughs> like, there but, you go. Yeah. Props yeah, I mean, if them. somebody offered me $300 million to stop recording this podcast, Mike Lake, I'm sorry, buddy. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we could work something out. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember back when we were – way young at the Graham's house and I just remember you busting out that guitar and you and Alexis and we used to do these little concerts we also rehearsed for this show one time and I just have these great memories of rehearsing with you and the family musically wow man I don't know if the tape still exists but I know somewhere out there Laura and I are singing I can show you the world 
And that was the first time when it was, I knew I had to sing the song and uh, Laura, it was in my bedroom and we were about to practice and I just couldn't get the nerve to do it. And I said, leave me alone for a minute. I'm going to practice by myself. And even with her gone, she went outside. I was still <laughs> Kicked her right so out. nervous to sing. And I, it, it's amazing now that I'm a singer because I knew that I wanted to, but I was so nervous to just, just to, to use my voice. What got you over it in that moment? Do you remember? I think it was just the desire. The desire was there. It's like if you want to jump off a cliff and you know it's going to be so fun and you're going to get it on video and you show all your friends, but like to take the leap, that was the hardest part to make that first note, take that first step. Did that stage fright follow you into your, into your adulthood or did you shed that before you started recording professionally? Yeah, it's really funny that when I played a show here uh, in Albany, New York, I believe it was at Polly's Tavern, my, my mom came, or Polly's Hotel in Albany. And when I got done, she just said, I just don't know how you're so confident up there. It really, it just enlivens me. Some people get nervous and I just get really, really fired up and really energized and really present. So I just, I love being on stage. I love sharing that energy. And if you look at Mick Jagger, when he's on stage and, and he's got his hand out and he's like pointing at the people, he's drawing energy from the crowd. You know what I mean? You guys are performers, right? Like, you know what it's like. And you get all those eyes on you and uh, and then you get to give the energy back because you're prepared now you got the energy the crowd is feeding you and then you give it back and then they get to uh, they feel fed for you know sometimes years after having an experience like that with one of their favorite artists having a live audience is, is definitely infectious yes and honestly who can ever take their eyes off of mick jagger let's be real take <laughs> <laughs> their tongue out of his mouth whoop He's a wild man. Also not the reference I expected you to make. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, that's Mick Jagger, man. That's not my <laughs> life. I'm engaged to a wonderful woman who inspires me <laughs> in other ways. Uh, so you talk about getting on stage and getting fired up and being in that moment. Before we started recording, you were also getting in the moment. You were uh, saging and you were, you were doing other things. You were setting plants. Can you can you speak to that? Speaking, speaking about setting up your space to be comfortable and to be yourself in. Cool. Yeah. Well, I like to say that how you do anything is how you do everything. You have to feed yourself first so your first so your cup can overflow it. Yeah, I asked you for a minute when I got home, not just because I needed to like set my keys down or whatever, but just to sit in stillness and just uh tune into my own vibration and 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 that's been really the most powerful thing for me is just slowing down. Um and I just came back from a retreat with Dr. Joe Dispenza in Mexico. And he says, when you're in meditation, to become less of you and more of it. And whether you call it God or the universe or the quantum field or energy, you know, we all do come from one source. And the more that we can shed our ego and, and really tune into the energy that exists and feel it, and feel it deeply, you become less of you and more of it. And, and it's just love. You know, it's just love. So when I came in, I meditated a little. I, I burned some sage, some Palo Santo. I lit a candle. If there's one thing we're all after in this life, it's to feel good. And uh, by any means necessary, so long as you don't uh, harm anyone else. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I like, uh, I like, I like how you put that. Whatever you're identifying with, whatever your, your center is, you know, look for it for everything you do to be your best, best self while you're doing it. That's, that's great. I had a coach um, that uh, he said... Go ahead and be the second coming of Jesus. Just don't let it take away from anyone else. Yeah, there's always, as a performer, there's always that, that moment. 
I always advise people that I'm either in shows with or just be like, hey, find a spot in the back of the theater, backstage or in the dressing room or wherever, outside the space, just to just to gather your thoughts, get ready, get ready for the run because it's going to be a good one. Yeah, gosh. Uh, sometimes the last thing I want to do is think. <laughs> I'm actually, I like to imagine my thoughts being crinkled up into black holes and I erase sure. everything. I just erase it all so that when I get up there, I'm nothing. One of my favorite poems goes something like, I am, and because I am, I am everything, and everything is nothing, and nothing is the birthplace of creation. It just gave me Iago vibes. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> oh, about Iago vibes. <laughs> I am what I am, right? Uh, okay, okay. I am that I am. I am that, and I am that, and I'm a brick wall, and I'm you, and you are me, and here we are, just giddy as can be. So you're a musician, I think that's cool. I think you're our first recording artist. I'll put it that way. That is in, yeah, that is in the top 50 for sure. We've had other people that are, you know, multi-talents on that do music. Um, they have some, you know, recordings and, and things of that nature. But you're, that's your thing. That's your bread and butter. That's what your, you know, that's what your, uh, that's your wholesale. So talk about that a little bit. What's, what was it like to move through that space and kind of end up where you are now? A lot of the classic artist's dilemma, where mm. you go back and forth between, I'm the shit, and I'm shit. You know, you're just, <laughs> like, just really, really having to get over self-doubt. And, um, and so for years and years, I was just creating because I needed validation and I needed adoration. And, and then finally, when I realized that it's not about me, uh, somebody told me that like, the, the audience, they don't care about you. They come to the artist because they want to see themselves. And the artist has to dig deeper because the average person, they don't, you know, they're, they're tuned into the television and they're programmed and, um, and it's painful and it's difficult to take a real good look at yourself. And, uh, and so that's the artist's job is to do that work. To hold that mirror up so that they can see what maybe they're afraid to see. I mean, if you as an artist can muster up that strength to show them, them as the audience, something that maybe they're not comfortable with or something they haven't been able to identify with, you're spot on. That's most of the time when I hear an audience member talk to me afterwards, it's all about the things that were stirred up in them. They don't give a crap about me as the actor on stage. <laughs> but the thing is, is that once you do show them to themselves, they do care. And they're like, oh my God, who is Shane? Because wow, he just, I relate so much, you know? And so that's the funny thing is that once you get out of your own way and you just show them to themselves, then you get a fan base slowly but surely. They'll keep coming back. Yeah. So long as you treat them right. <laughs> I, I, there's a line in a Wolfpack song I love. He goes, can't remember the names. I treat them all the same. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I, I think back and I don't always recall you being a, a sage burning plant rearranging type of individual. When did that shift really happen it's funny because i asked uh i asked my sisters <laughs> you know how much did los angeles affect me and they're like completely i just asked one to ten they're like 12 you know but really you know growing up in upstate new york and watching football and you know drinking a lot of beer like from you know a young age like 16 like drinking every weekend getting in fights you know I, that was my life for a minute and one night i was out at a cigar dinner with a few members of the Miami Dolphins. As you do. Yeah. Well, you know, Jason Taylor, the other Jason Taylor uh, from the Miami Dolphins, he had just won Dancing with the Stars. 
So I was like, you know what? Let's have a dance off. I'm, I'm going to show you all. And I clear out the dance floor because we, we leave the dinner. We go to the club and I clear out the dance floor. And I'm like, I'm going to do a backflip. I'm going to show everybody. In my effort to impress, I'm in mid-flip and somebody decided it wasn't a dance circle anymore. They wanted to be in it. And, uh, and I collided with them. I landed on my head. I shattered five teeth and two vertebrae in my neck. And that was my first taste of stillness. And that's when I really had no choice but to start to take a look at who I had become at the ripe age of 21. And if this was the path I still wanted to go down. So the doctor gave me pain pills and, uh, and I didn't take them. You know, for the first couple of days I took them because it was excruciating pain and my neck I couldn't sleep, couldn't move. I'm just on the couch propped up by pillows. And I realized very quickly how people get addicted to those. And I realized that it was my mild addiction to alcohol that, um, among other things, <laughs> that had led me uh, down that path. So I didn't take the pills and I'm really grateful that I didn't. And, and I'm, I'm grateful to have seen through others' experiences and I was able to learn through their experiences where that would lead me. And, you know, I've lost friends to the opiate crisis in America. And, and it's, been, it's, been, it's been painful, you know. And so without being too much of a bummer, you know, it was, it was that stillness that gave me my first, my first spark of light. And as, uh, as Leonard Cohen likes to say, you know, there's a crack in everything and that's how the light gets in. And so I had to crack my neck and crack my teeth so that I could slow down and become less of me and more of it. And, uh, and through that stillness, I started to write songs like Generation Letter, where I just ask, you know, what would you do if you knew you would succeed? Destiny is not assumed. It's a thing to be achieved. And, and I was in, on, a, on a, a binge for wisdom. I just, I needed light and I needed truth because you know how we grew up. It wasn't so wise. You know, we had, we had our grandmother had some real, some real one-liners that helped a lot and still do. You know, my sure. mom tonight um, w was referencing some of, some of our grandmother's wisdom gets me through some of the darkest days you know yeah yeah and so that's the thing you know generationally we get we get passed on these little nuggets and now it's our turn to work through the karma um of our ancestors and you know i think about my my grandparents and their parents who have been to war and and i carry those memories in my genes and and we carry these memories up to five generations or more of the past in our genes and that's why we're programmed to fight or flight and so we pick up these addictions to, to deal with the toxic stress in our bodies. And so I'm fortunate that I broke my neck. And I never thought that I would feel that way when I was 21. But now I wouldn't have it any other way. It brought me to yoga. It brought me to stillness and meditation. And it really helped to open me up and, and seek for more. Yeah, I don't think that's a bummer story at all <laughs> uh no, i think not that's at all. yeah i think that's a pretty substantial story this is i have i do have a question which might take us off track a bit but you talk about karmic balance through generations now i am certainly not a scholar in any way or shape or form in that department but from what i always understood karmic balance was a very singular personal thing so to hear you talk about a karmic balance that stretches back generations i find that really, really interesting and something to start thinking about when I'm working through those personal strifes. They're not necessarily just personal. They're ingrained from generational memory. Yeah. I won't put you on the spot, but I'll speak from my experience that I am working through my father's trauma. My father grew up a certain way and he was programmed a certain way. 
And so that genetic code lives within me and I feel it every day. And, that, and then I'm presented with a choice, you know, do I continue down the path that my father has taken and self-implode, you know, as he is uh, homeless and he still struggles with addiction? Or do I just fight to, to live another day a different way? There, there's a belief system which I've half subscribed to. Most belief systems I like to hold as potentially true, but I don't really subscribe fully to any of them. But one of them is that you do choose this experience. You choose your parents. You know, you are reborn as a, as a soul. And there's a space in between. And they, and they give you a little checklist. They say, you know, here's where you really killed it. And you, and you evolved. And here's where you fell short of the mark or sinned. You missed the mark. And, uh, you know, if you'd like, you can have another chance. You want to go back to earth school and give it another shot? And you say, hell yeah. Okay, this is what I'm going to work through in this lifetime. I need, to, uh, I need to work through addiction. I need to work through trauma. I need to work through X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to be faced with these challenges. And, uh, and, and it's very empowering to know that it was a choice from the start. I chose my parents. I chose my battles. And I'm here. I'm here and I get a shot. I got another at bat um, as opposed to another story, which is, you know, why me? Why did I get stuck with this shitty life? I didn't ask to be born. How do you live your life that way? How do you take responsibility for your life if that's the way that your mind operates? Not successfully. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I'm at with that, with karma. You know, I, I chose it. I chose it. I'm here, you know, and, and that includes all the shit and all the blessings. It's funny. I um, I like you. Don't subscribe. You know what I mean to to religion in a sense, and really well, more more. I guess even further in really any sense. I do have a certain amount of respect for anyone of the belief system that that isn't trying to push their beliefs on anyone else. A certain level of person that can be their own truth and live their own truth, and and um, I find that that's common with artists and I think maybe that that's something that has to be to be you know you have to be I think at least honest with yourself in order to create and to kind of get to that center like you're talking about even you know and, and I'm not to say every artist is the most positive person or always in the most positive headspace but I think there's an element of honesty within artists that creates an environment for which they can in turn create which is something I'm always fascinated with because it's really, it's something that all of our guests kind of talk about in their own ways. So how, how did this, this kind of shift in your perspective, how did that translate into your, your music, your writing? Well, there's two ways to get there. You go up and over or, or down and under. So for many years, in order to tell the truth and be honest, I had to get drunk. So that's going down and under you you got to shut off that analytical mind so you can tell the truth. But I found a more effective way. <laughs> Stillness, meditation, uh, getting your brain waves into a theta state uh, where your frontal cortex is uh, it's shut off. You're not, you're not in fight or flight. You're in a safe place and you're comfortable and you're supported. Um, and from that spot, sometimes I'll sit in perfect stillness for hours before I put anything down on paper because it is the hardest part is to tell the truth because shit, if I write that down, then I and I sing that to the crowd like that's fucking real you know sure so and that's why I think so many artists uh do go through the drug and alcohol addiction is because they get addicted to telling the truth and they don't think that they can do it without it but it's the same effect you know you can do all the drugs 
And really what you're doing is you're trying to release oxytocin in the brain. You're trying to get happy. And, and you can do that by ejaculating up your spine. <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> no, more on that now, please. <laughs> sure. Let me talk to you a little bit about where I just was in Mexico with Dr. Joe Dispenza. Brilliant genius man. Studied neurology. Was initially a chiropractor. He broke his back. He's paralyzed. Doctors wanted to operate. He could die if he takes the operation. He goes, you know what? I'm going to try another way. And he turned to ancient wisdom. And so I have become a little bit interested in a man named Jesus of Nazareth. And not the story that has been written about him, but the scholarly um, accounts of his life and what he was up to. And, and he, was, he was a meditator. He was an energy worker. He was, um, he was a zealot. And, and he rebelled against the, the Jewish establishment and said, you don't need to go through anyone to get to God. You can, you can go like, I am that I am. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so I've recently learned some of the methods of what he was up to. And, uh, and it really is, there's two ways, again, to uh, put energy out of your body. You can go down and out, or you can go up and over. So if you're, I don't know how PG this podcast is, but... It varies episode to episode. <laughs> okay, so, you know, you can you, uh, release energy through the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Sure, or, you, sure. or you can release it up and out. So I'm not saying that I abstain from sex, but... <laughs> If you can use that same energy, you can cultivate it. Like right now, just do a little squeeze of your perineum like you were cutting off your pee. You feel that? Mm-hmm. Now, if you, were to, if you were to sit perfectly up, upright, and so that your spine is balanced and you're not leaning in any one direction, you're just straight up, and you were to gently squeeze that perineum, you start to feel an energy come up. And so... What happens with energy as we fall further from our higher selves is it gets stacked down. And first we get addicted to sex and then food and all these other things. And so the energy builds up in your lower centers. And so what Jesus was up to is he was pulling that energy up into his heart. And as you bring the energy into your heart, you can feel, uh, you can feel your heart expand. And if you can start to feel the universe in your heart, this overwhelming love will, co- will come over you. And so I just spent seven days in meditation, sometimes for eight and a half or more hours a day, just doing that, bringing energy into my body, breathing deeply into my heart center and, and just blessing myself and blessing all those that I know and touch. And I experienced the mystical, I'll be honest. I had a coming to Jesus moment where I just, I felt like I, I had a vision of him and he, he quickly came past me. And this is after like an hour and a half of meditation. He quickly came past me and then he turned and it was like the story where somebody touched his cloak and, and he could feel the energy that had left his body. He, he's building up this energy. He spends all this time in meditation. He's building up this energy. And somebody touches his cloak or his robe. He said, who was that that touched my robe? And he turns and he sees a woman who just, it was clearly her. He can tell she's got the energy. He says, your faith has healed you. And I tell this story because the next day in meditation, I heard my name like a soft, gentle whisper. And it wasn't me. It wasn't my normal talking to myself voice. It was, Jason, tomorrow's going to be a very big day. And then I had a vision of the pool at the resort that we're staying in. And again, this isn't like my imagination. It was like a lucid dream. Very, very clear. 
And then I saw a man who was at the, at the resort and part of the retreat and he's in a wheelchair. And I'm like, interesting. Okay. So maybe many of us were there to heal. And so maybe this man is going to have a healing. The next morning we do a, a walking meditation on the beach. And uh, for an hour and a half, I'm just building up this charge in my heart, just bringing the energy up, bringing the energy up, filling my heart with love and compassion and, imagining the entire universe in my heart and just getting real big. And as I'm walking back, just feeling like freaking amazing, to be honest, I see this man in the wheelchair. He's not in his wheelchair. He's swimming in the pool, having the time of his life. He looks like a duck in the rain. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that's beautiful. You know, I, I saw that man. I saw the pool and that's quite a beautiful synchronicity. And we go inside. Mind you, there's a thousand people at this retreat. There's hundreds of tables and we're only allowed five people per table. And today this man chooses to sit at my table. I'm already seated. He rolls right up and I'm like, my gosh, nice to meet you. We get to know each other a little bit. We spend the day together. And the next day I see him walking on the beach. We do a, a beach walk again, a walking meditation. I see him walking on the beach. He's got one volunteer on each side and they're helping him to walk. I'm like, that's a pretty big freaking deal. <laughs> this man is walking the following day. He's pushing his own wheelchair walking behind it. And I'm not the kind of person that has guides or hears voices. It's never happened for me. It's never been like that. Sometimes when I'm channeling music, the lyrics will come and I know that's not me. That's not Jason writing the song. I know that that's a higher power that's coming through me because I'm the one doing the work. And that's what Prince said, or Michael Jackson said. Uh, one night he called his manager. He said, uh, I need to get in the studio right now. Michael, it's 2 a.m. Can this wait until tomorrow? Michael says, no. If if I don't write this song right now, God is going to give it to Prince. <laughs> and so that's how I feel about writing music. And that's how I feel about this experience I just had is that not only did I have this experience, but I told my girlfriend, my fiance, who was with me, I told the people at the table who were with me and we all had the intention to heal this man. And I wrote it down in my journal. So I have the handwriting dated the day before saying, I saw this man, he was at the pool and then he sat at my table and then he freaking walked. And so some of the other things that Dr. Joe Dispenza is up to is he does these coherence healings. The number one issue with humanity is that our heart, mind, and soul are out of coherence. They're not communicating with each other. Our brain is saying, fight or flight, fight or flight. Our heart is saying, oh God, no, don't hurt me. And our soul, most people don't even know they have one. <laughs> so if you take the time to breathe into your heart, elongate your spine, have some pride about your being, take a deep breath and just feel. You create a coherence between the energy centers and there's an eighth energy center that resides above your head up here. And we did a blessing of the energy centers meditation and that you could consider your halo. And for an hour and a half, we're focusing on our energy centers from, from your first, which is your reproductive organs, to your second, which is uh, your belly, your third, which is your solar plexus, your fourth is your heart, your fifth is your throat, your sixth is your third eye, which is really your first eye, because let's get real, the pineal gland is the pine cone that's depicted in every major religion from ancient Egypt to, to the Vatican. The, they've been dissecting brains for as long as, as, um, as people have been alive. They've been opening up, what's in there? How do I think? And they find <laughs> this pine cone looking thing in the middle is the pineal gland. Your seventh chakra is the top of your head and your eighth again is, is, the, is the, uh, the aura, so to speak. And so day one, meditation one was the most enlightening moment of 
almost the most enlightening moment, but definitely the most mystical experience I think I've ever had where we bless these energy centers and feeling very open. And I've been practicing this breath for a year and a half now. As soon as we brought the energy up from one to two to three to four to five to six to seven to eight, soon as he said eight, and I just gently, innocently squeezed my perineum and sent my spinal fluid up my spine, up against the pineal gland, and visualized my aura. It's the first time that I can say that I, I left my body and, and I, didn't, um, I didn't have a body and I became an egg of light. I just was engulfed in an egg of light and that's when I had the Jesus moment and I saw, I saw his face. And, and the funny thing is, is that when I think about Jesus, I see him as like, as like the way you'd see an old movie. Uh, everything is kind of like a tint of gray, a little dim, like it's old. But in this vision, he was so full of life and everything. The sun was shining so bright. And uh, it's nothing like I really would have imagined if I were to just imagine it. It was so much more clear and, again, lucid. Okay, but then you got to tell everybody, was Jesus white? See, I know that uh, Mike and I have very different views on this energy. Uh, Jason, I could talk to you about this for hours and hours. I... I mean, before you even hopped on, I had a conversation with Mike about, like, we're going to talk about chakras, we're going to talk about glands, we're going to talk about how they go up your body, and he was like, what the hell are you? And I was like, you have certainly encouraged me to start my journey down this path again. It has been a long time since I've tapped into that type of energy that I know I can, because I have, and I shut it off for a really long time. Yeah, we do. We tend to. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I can leave you with anything, it's just to, um, to find stillness as frequently as you can. Even if it's just you got to go to the bathroom and take three deep conscious breaths uh, to center yourself and just be less of you and more of it. And the more that you do that and you tune in to the universal intelligence, you will be blessed with synchronicities that are inexplicable and they can only be described as miracles. Jason, thank you for the words of wisdom. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, love you for Shane. talking with us today. Love you, cuz. Tell, uh, tell our listeners real quick, uh, where, can, where can they find your stuff? Um, if, if you have anything, I know performing is off the table, anything coming up um, that you'd like us to talk about? Um, well, you can, you can check out my hub is uh, jasontaylor.com, and I'm most active on Instagram. Um, not so much lately, but I'm still there, uh, and the, my handle on there is no drinks on the piano. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Jason. It's been a pleasure talking to you tonight. All right. Whatever we end up talking about, I just wanted to make sure we recorded it because for uh, our listeners at home, we had to break our last recording. We're going to keep this a bit meta and we're not going to try to splice it together and be clever and just acknowledge that we're recording this on two different days. And we all felt like we were in the middle of a conversation that we needed to finish. For sure. And there was also some other other things particularly about you know what you have going on you just released a a uh, an lp so we want to talk about that a little bit we are definitely glad to have you back and one of the last things we were talking about uh gentlemen who you had the the miracle to have a connection with and that's what i was talking about with mike before you had hopped on for me in that story the miracle was so much more the fact that you two were put in the same space time and less about the rush of adrenaline affecting this man in a way and, and making him walk for me. 
the miracle wasn't his walking. For me, the miracle was the fact that you guys were able to have a conversation. Yeah, I mean, I definitely consider each breath a miracle. It really is just fascinating that we are here and that this is happening. I went to see Deepak Chopra uh, speak with Eckhart Tolle and uh, he stopped the lecture and Deepak just said, I'm going to ask you a question and I don't want you to respond. Are you aware? And then there was several thousand people that just sat in that moment together and just felt the energy of the room. And uh, it's all you really need if you're able to tune into it. Uh, you notice that you're always supported. You're always abundant. It's all, it's always here. It's just, it's amazing. So when something even like when you go up five, six steps from there and you have a moment like I had with, with that gentleman at the retreat, it just puts a seed of gratitude in you that should you water it will just grow and grow until you just become this really grateful energy. Um, and it's work because it's easy to, uh, to fall into the trap of, um, of your complaints, you know, and your known reality. And it, it takes work to, to really cultivate that mindset of gratitude and kind of return home to wholeness. I mean, I'm just an old miserable curmudgeon. <laughs> well cho choose your heart you know you know you can choose the misery um and it's easy now but then it's a lifetime of suffering or you can choose to be a little bit uncomfortable now and lean into faith or um self-development or all the stuff that's kind of harder to do now it's like you, you can diet now and that's hard and have a really great body later or you can have the sweet extra dessert today which is easy and have the shitty body later, which is hard. So you choose your hard. And with me, with my spiritual practice, I don't always want to get up early and sit. And sometimes I don't. And if I don't, I notice it that day. I'm not as centered. I'm not as present. I'm just not as happy overall. And when I started a gratitude practice in the morning, I instantly felt better that day. And over two weeks, I was probably 50% happier as a human. And it was huge. And everybody that was around me could tell, like, what is different about you? It's gratitude. So I, I did the deep dive. I, I found your YouTube page and was looking at your videos and listening to your songs. And then the one thing that kind of struck me the most wasn't, it wasn't any of your music videos. Your music is great. The, the thing that struck me the most was your promotional video for your new LP. And the reason is because I think maybe, I think you maybe mentioned the lp twice like and the whole rest of the video was just you being a light you being like just this this person of gratitude this person of of just light and it was really interesting that like yeah i wanted to listen to your music even though you didn't even hardly mention your music <laughs> I still was like, yeah, I want to support this guy because he's cool and he's like, you know, like living, obviously like living for others, you know, and it was really interesting. And then in listening to the music, I, I had all that in my head and had all that, you know what I mean? Reinforcing everything I was hearing. It was really great. I appreciate those words. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I had mentioned in part one of this podcast how you know, the audience doesn't care about you until you show them to themselves. And so I guess that was my intention with that was that uh, I think I remember saying that this album is all about connection. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I, I feel like my intention was seen by you and that feels really good. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. And I think the song that, um, <clears throat> the song that I, I identified most with was, uh, we found we, Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 And, uh, cause like, yeah, my, my wife and I have been together for, you know, been married for what six years, seven, so eight, seven long. years. It's so and, gross. Yeah, and we've and been lovely. we've been together since you know even longer, almost twice as long. And yeah, yeah, it was like it was like a perfect uh, a perfect analogy for finding you know someone that you can be we with. Who who is that song about? Is that is that song about your fiance? Yeah, my my darling fiance Lisa. Yeah. We've been together 10 years now and we're still coming up on our wedding date because I took my time growing up um, sure, sure. and uh, and I just didn't feel right committing to being anyone's man until I was my own man. And the little boy in me, which you should never let the boy go, you should always hold on to the little boy within you, but you can't let the boy run the show. The biggest thing I think that I notice in America right now is that there's a lot of little boys running around in men's bodies. Uh, oh sure yeah <laughs> i mean please speak to that if you feel comfortable to i i named the album creation creator because uh for multiple reasons jason creation taylor creator i'd like to think of myself as a more balanced man now the creation uh is that masculine energy it's the thing that is created uh, i am and so if you look at it um in the terms of the matrix or in um as in i the program, you know, identify with everything sure heroes and ones right so the creation is the one the man and the feminine creator that's right god is a woman perhaps but really you know unity is um is separate from polarity but the world is a representation of the state of a woman you know men for the most part are raised by women and if the women ain't right the men don't come out right and so I think that's what's happening right now, especially on December 21st, um, there's going to be an alignment of the planets. And uh, so Jupiter is the female expression of love, expansion, growth, and um, Saturn is limitation. And on the 21st, we're going to see, we're going to see, I think, the transition from a very masculine time in history to a feminine time in history where perhaps where perhaps men can cry and they can be open hearted. Um, and perhaps we're moving into a time where we don't have to be so guarded and we don't have to be uh, at war. And, you know, I am a bit of an optimist to a flaw, but I'd like to see that that's kind of where we're heading. And so with the album being called creation creator, that's kind of what I was trying to bring attention to is, um, you know, that uh, women are so strong in balance, you know, and men are, at this time, a little bit short of the mark. And I think that's as a result of the way that we're treating our women and the way that they've been suppressed for so many years with this false narrative that uh, God is a white man in the sky and, uh, and chauvinism running rampant. You know, I think the tables are beginning to turn. And I think that this astrological event is a representation of that perfect timing. For any other reason, it's going to look cool. It's going to be the closest to, uh, to having like a twin planet uh it's gonna be nice cool to see check it out i was wondering when 21st sort of scientifically the last time that happened it was in 2012 so the the interesting thing is also the mayan calendar um they thought the end of the world well really it was just the end of that cycle was december Mm -hmm. 12th and that's how i've always felt about that 
interpret the interpretation of that that Mayan calendar of the end. It was like it wasn't an end of the world. There wasn't a meteor coming to take us out. It was the end of a, a cycle of planets. It was an end of an en energy cycle. And so the interesting thing with that is, is that uh, the Gregorian calendar from, um, you know, the oldest calendar we have from uh, ancient Ethiopia um, is actually eight years off. And so 2020 is 2012. Um, and so here we are. <laughs> it's, about to, <laughs> it's about to really change uh, in a very, very big way. And so there's going to be a battle, I think, between what people like to refer to as the 3D and the 5D. And I think I spoke a little bit about how 99.99% of all matter is really just space. And so mm -hmm. what we're witnessing with our limited perception of reality is an illusion based on, like I said, a limited perception. We can only see not 1% of light. And so if you look at uh, measurements of light and let's say it's a ruler, 12 inches, you got about, you got about less than half an inch of uh, visible light and then the rest is ultraviolet, infrared, and it goes on and on. And so uh, circling back, we're going to be coming into a time where I think spirituality is becoming more uh, realized, self-realization. People are realizing that I'm not my body, I'm something much greater. And the coolest thing about it is that with doctors like Joe Dispenza, we're starting to see the data to back that up. And if you, if you look in, uh, into Nassim Harriman, he's one of the great uh, quantum physicists of today. And you can see from his research and the data that he's um, accumulated that all of the information of the universe is contained within our DNA and our cells. And there's nothing separate. Then they're all communicating everywhere at all times. So if there are aliens... Uh, which, you know, it's looking Oh, like there are definitely <laughs> aliens. Yeah. But uh, we are also that. And so, um, you know, the prime, not the prime minister, but the head of the Israeli NASA, for lack of a better term, like their space force, he came out saying that there are aliens and that Trump knows about it. He was about to disclose it, but a lot of the people aren't ready. Um, and so that's like, that's huge. What? I mean, this guy is like the Does head of that mean i'm sorry the people are not ready <laughs> mike and i have talked about this to some length as an alien race i like to think there is an alien race that is there's an overarching several. amount yeah. of several species that is beyond our knowing uh whether they have a collaboration or a uh a workforce or a government that governs them i mean i like to think yeah, you know, but what does that mean we're not ready? Because I really struggle with that as what does that mean our our governments aren't ready? Because we don't have a a unifying world governance right now. So saying that we're not ready, who cares that we're not ready, you know? Well, I think it's that... Um... And this is speculation. I, of I, course, don't, of I don't have proof of this, but um, I think it's that we're not ready as in most people can't perceive them because they're not open. So like I had said with the calcification of the pineal gland, your, your pineal gland is a receiver and we can receive all sorts of information beyond our five senses with the pineal gland. So different kinds of frequencies. And so most people, their pineal glands are so calcified and they're not receptive. So it's almost a literal not 
ready. Like, they could not, if they were to present themselves because of how we have calcified that part of our body. And so if they were to disclose the information and only so many people can be in contact and, and open themselves up to that and everyone else is just like, well, what the heck? You know, what do you mean they're all around us, but we can't see or perceive them? And so there's going to be a lot of work to do <laughs> for people to, to get to that level. And so with this shift, there's going to be people who are uh, insistent on the vaccine, insistent on masks. But I'm telling you that I'm immune to coronavirus because I've done the work. I've gotten my immune system up to par and anybody can do it. I'm working on it with my mother. Um, but there are people who are going to say that's hogwash, that's pseudoscience. And they're not even open to the possibility and they won't even want to look at the data because of confirmation bias. They won't even be open to it. Okay, so I am going to push back a little I bit. I knew you that. would. Just a little bit. I knew you would. Okay, so when you talk about, when you talk about building up your immunity, elaborate on that. So your DNA, I'm not sure if we had discussed how only a very small percentage, less than 3% of your DNA is active and uh, is manifest into matter. And your DNA is created um, by proteins. And your proteins are affected by the way that your body metabolizes energy. And so if you're getting sunlight and you're getting nutrients and you're using your body's energy to, uh, to upregulate your DNA, then simple viruses like coronavirus, they cannot take over the host. And so this is what we've seen in blood samples where people will meditate and they'll do this kind of work and they're feeling really good and they're um, pumping oxytocin from their pineal gland. And so the melatonin in their, in their brain is being turned into really good chemistry. And so your body becomes supernatural. Okay. I've heard, I've heard this 3% claim before. And it sounds like to me that there, there might be something going on on a, on a level that, that science is yet to be able to measure. However, this 3%, just because it's a, a similar number to some other information, I think it's a case of information being, data being not misrepresented in, a, in a, an intentional way. It's just, a, it's just in a roundabout way. Only 3% of our DNA is tied to our physical relation to everything else in the planet. We are within 3% related to every other living thing I believe it's that between three and eight percent on the planet. Now that doesn't mean, from my understanding of the science, that doesn't mean that the ninety-seven to ninety-two percent of our DNA is not doing anything. It's just it's doing the same thing as everything else. So when I hear numbers like this come up, like I said, there may be something going on that science isn't able to record and to quantify but there's a lot of there's a lot of that that kind of happens and and the reason why i say and the reason why i bring it up is because there's a saying that like throughout history everything that has been discovered as to why it happens has been decidedly not magic like every time there's a question and we're like, how does this happen? And like humans from before were like, oh, it's a God. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's Hermes. It's, you know, it, it's not that. So like bringing myself to a point where, where even if meditation and placebo and, and all that stuff works for me to then make the, the, the jump 
in logic to metaphysics, well, that's not that's not supported by the rest of human discovery. So, again, there's certainly things beyond our current understanding, but I also think that to then give it a name that and 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 imply that it is something other does a dis- disservice to the pursuit of knowledge in a way i feel as though there may oh, be yeah. a misunderstanding because what i'm what i'm describing is demystifying the mystical it's sure. putting it's putting data driven science behind how jesus was able to heal the blind so people okay. have seen it as god as mystical as um I mean, you could say metaphysical, but I'm under the impression that metaphysical just means um, to like referring to oneself. It's meta, right? Sure. Yes, it's 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 referring to oneself in a in a outside of the physical. So it's referring to oneself to to find a source for the physical. So so that 93 to 92% of uh, genetic expression, which is unexpressed, which people, um, they've mistakenly referred to as junk DNA. They're like, oh, we don't know what it does. It's just kind of sitting there. Consider that you were to pick up three new habits this week. And, uh, and there are three different versions of you in the quantum potential. One version of you picks up running 5k a day. One version of you picks up smoking meth Another version of you um, picks up a radical gratitude and meditation practice. You're going to activate parts of your DNA through those decisions, and you're going to be pulling possibility out of the quantum field and manifesting it into matter. So infinite possibilities are in the quantum. There's infinite you, there's infinite me, and there's infinite time, and there's infinite space. And so the metaphysical aspect of it is you're going to call on that part of you, which is not yet manifest and you're going to think it and choose it into existence. I think on the, on the side of this argument, I, I understand and see where you're coming from, Mike, but I tend to lean in the camp of what Jason is sort of getting at. Cause I also see what he's saying where there is a mystification of where a lot of this comes from. And we're getting to the point where we can say, okay, it wasn't, it's not magic. It isn't magic. It is a part of your body that does this thing. And it goes back to the, you know, the three habits. And if you have generational memory, that's part of it. Mm, Indeed. And also you have to allow room for grace because you might think you want something to turn out a certain way. And you might have the thought and you place it in your heart with a positive emotion of expectation. And then you throw it away and you surrender to whatever the universe has in store for you. And if you're doing it right, the universe is going to cook up a recipe that far surpasses and far succeeds any of your wildest dreams. And I think that's where I come with the pushback. There is no right there is an action and there is a reaction. Whether that action or reaction comes from you or the universe, there is no right way to do it. Even you in this conscious mind want things. So that's, that's you wanting those things. That doesn't make them right or wrong. 
that makes them the thing your physical body has decided it wants to achieve. Right. And that's where the non-attachment comes in. If it's meant for you, the universe is perfectly aligned. And we're just kind of swimming through it. We got a nice little groove and we bounce off the walls a little bit. Um, but so that's what I mean. You, you, you marry the, the intention with the positive emotion and then you throw it away. And if it's meant for you, it will come in ways better than you could ever imagine. So here's my, my challenge for you if you're open to it. Always. I would like you to pick something that isn't that important. Just a small thing that you would like. Just a thing. You know, it could be like my fiance. She said, um, if I'm meant to uh, move to one place, I want to see a purple dinosaur. And if hmm. I'm meant to go to another place, I want like something ridiculous. Just something like it has to be out of the norm, right? And this is just so that you can kind of fall into synchronicity. So you can recognize it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then start the practice. Really take that thing, purple dinosaur, place it in your heart. Imagine the universe in your heart. Breathe deep into your heart. Open. And feel gratitude for your body and for this day. And then plant that seed in your heart and let it go. Just completely let it go. And see if it comes back to you in a way that mystifies you. And so, again, with the balance between creation creator, I feel that I am a relatively powerful creator. I'm coming of age and I'm, and I'm becoming more capable of, of manipulating reality to my desire. That's a powerful creator. But step one is to surrender to the fact that I'm a creation of this marvelous mystical universe. And it's so complex and so beyond our comprehension. We can't possibly, we can't come up with the algorithms to, to guess or to uh, predict uh, with any certain accuracy. But if it is meant for you, and it is for the highest good you have to tune into. The universe is expanding and it's growing. So if you try to stop it in its tracks, you're going to get destroyed. So I used to ask myself, how can I be of the greatest service to, to mankind? And I would just wait for things to show up. And, uh, and that's when I was able to um, put together my first big small fest. Well, it was a small festival, a big show for me. I had like 14 bands and we raised thousands of dollars for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And it was a wild success. And it wasn't because I was like, damn it, I need to do this. It was just like, how can I be of service? And then I got the call and it was all in the, in the greatest alignment for the highest good. Yeah. It's listening to the heart and, 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 uh, and surrendering to what the universe has to present to you and being grateful, even when it's fucking painful. Because there are some things, and Shane knows, that have really fucking sucked about this lifetime. And somehow, I've been able to find gratitude for it all. And even the things that still don't make any sense. There's a lot of those. Yeah. For sure. Are you open and prepared to receive something miraculous? Oh, are we moving Are we moving to our, our uh, I guess we usually call it the fun portion. But I... <laughs> I think this is. I think this is. This has got to be called something else. It's got to be called. Was it the uh, the real portion? The real portion. <laughs> well, we've established there is no real. We've 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 completely blown the lid off of Pandora's box here, and and now we have to come up with a new word. <laughs> well, they like to say that we're meaning making machines. So whatever it is that you choose is real. I mean, there you go. There you go. I think this conversation has rounded out wonderfully. And I definitely think we're at that portion of our <laughs> interview. I mean, Jason, I'm not sure what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with exactly. But 
what s- <laughs> he spun in his chair for everyone at home how comfortable would you be in taking us through a mini two to three minute version of maybe what you did in mexico uh you know uh a mindful meditation or uh, tips and tricks or, or whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, I would love that. Um, I would say it's best to do the work. So how about I put you guys through a few minutes of, um, of what it feels like to become unlimited, uh, unbound by reality and completely uh, supernatural. Next thing we know, it's going to be four hours later. <laughs> Here we go. What follows is a guided meditation. We do not recommend that you listen to this guided meditation while driving a vehicle or operating heavy machinery. Otherwise, please enjoy. So take the deepest breath you've taken all day, all the way to the top. (sighs) Sigh it all the way out. All the way out, push it all the way out. Let's take another one and we'll hold it at the top. Hold your breath at the top, hold it. Sip in a little more air. Ah, let it go. Completely sigh it out, yeah. Push it out, keep pushing out, keep exhaling, keep exhaling. Push it all the way out of your stomach. <sighs> and one last one, deepest, deepest breath yet. All the way to the front sides, back of your heart. Hold it at the top. Relax your shoulders. Keep holding it. Sip in a little more air, all four directions, up, down, back, left, right, all the all the, And gently let it go. Okay. Now resume a natural breath. Rest your tongue on the roof of your mouth, just behind your teeth. And with your mouth closed, you're breathing through your nose and you can listen to the, the ocean sounding breath. You can hear your breath enter and, and exit through your nose, whistling th- down your throat. And just notice the sensation of breath coming in and out of your body. Notice where the breath goes. Now notice where your body is connected to the earth, where you're supported. If you're seated, it'll be your your butt and the tops of your legs and your feet. Maybe if you're lying down, it's where you're your back, anywhere that your body is in contact with the earth, just notice the support. Just notice that you're always supported. Now you wanna, as you inhale, notice a tiny, tiny little bead of light smallest little purest bead of light in the center of your mind, right between your ears, behind your eyes. And as you inhale, just send your breath to this tiny, tiny, pure bead of light. Keep focusing on that light in the center of your mind. Now I want you to consider the space between your ears before your birth. 
before your mother's birth. Who am I? Now keep your focus on that tiny bead of light. Forget your name. Forget all the faces of all the people you've ever met. Forget how to read and write. Forget how to do math. Forget all the circumstances you've ever found yourself in. Forget the rainbow. Anything else that crosses your mind, just crumple it up and stick it in that tiny bead of light in the center of your mind until you're nothing. No body, nowhere. No time, just a tiny bead of light. Now as you inhale, start to notice that light expand. It's starting to fill the center of your head. Now maybe it's coming out your ears. As you inhale, you might notice a beam of light coming out the top of your head. It begins to fill your throat As you keep breathing in, this light fills your heart. Let's stay in the heart. As you breathe into the heart, just consider the vastness of the universe. Don't put any names on it. Just understand that it goes in all directions for a really long time. As you inhale, you feel your heart expand. And just a, a few inches to the right of your heart in the center of your chest, you might notice a knot. Let's untie that knot. Everyone has one. As you inhale, you feel it get looser. Keep untying the knot.
and stay in the heart. Now as you inhale, there's a light coming from above you down into the crown of your head, through your throat, into your heart, and now into the solar plexus. You might take a breath into your solar plexus. Now into your belly, in your lower back. And just relax and expand. Notice the space inside and around your stomach. And now all the way down where your seat meets your chair. Just inhale that white hot golden light all the way down into your root. And you might actually notice your breath travel all the way to your hands and feet. And just notice the sensation. And now, let's connect the energy from your root to your heart. We're moving back up now. Notice your sexual organs and breathe into them. And as you inhale, send the energy from your reproductive organs up into your heart. Notice their connection. Now as you inhale, bring that energy from your root through your heart into your third eye, that ball of light that began in the center of your mind, and feel the, the connection between those three centers all at once, your root, your heart, and the center of your head. Just notice the pure hot white light connecting those three centers as you breathe.
Now, as that energy travels up, it's just about to burst through the top of your head and return back to source. And as that energy breaks open the top of your skull, feel the sensation of an egg that's been cracked on the top of your head. But the yolk is a golden, warm light. And let that trickle down your spine. Now you might notice that light beaming out of the top of your head through your roof. As if you're outside seeing a beam of light coming through the roof of your home, wherever you are now. It's shooting out into outer space. as far as can be. Now gently exhale all the air out of your lungs. Keep pushing it out of your stomach and just push a little bit more out. And as you inhale, notice that energy go from your root through your heart, through your head, up, up into outer space. Now place your hands over your heart. And just notice your beating heart. It just keeps on beating. And you don't even have to tell it to. It's got your back. Take one more deep breath into your heart. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Well, that is going to make for a very interesting section of our podcast. That's the fun part. <laughs> well, I'm glad we did this on Friday. And I was able to just let go of all of this past week just then. That was nice. <laughs> I miss that. That's a resounding feeling of that last moment to just connect them all and allow it to keep going. Um, I get a little distracted through meditation occasionally. Uh, about halfway through, I was almost like, okay, uh, and in, in those five final moments, you're a very good speaker when it comes to guided meditation. Thank you. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks, man. Yeah, I'd love to do it more. Um, I've thought about if I if uh, if I found interest from others uh, to do this, um, you know, it would maybe only just take maybe five people, uh, and I might start a group, and we could do it, you know, maybe once or twice a week, maybe one time as a discussion, um, and another time as the practice, and then you carry on your practice. It's something I've been considering for some time, because it does feel good, and even. Uh, Aunt Dottie told my mom the other night after I walked her through a meditation, she said, you should do that every day. You came downstairs a different person. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing and it's available to you all the time. Yeah. Um, it's very rare that you're in a situation where you're not comfortable and safe. It's really rare that you're not actually able to take a, a few conscious breaths and it's a practice. So whether you're in traffic or you're getting berated by somebody, you know, maybe you work in customer service and somebody's just taking their day out on you, you can tune into that feeling and you can just send energy up into your heart and you can receive them and not take it personally, you know? So, yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And count me in to that group. Cool. Cool, man. Um, I hope that you both experience some sort of synchronicity uh, in, in the following week or two. Um, and if you do, if you open up your heart and you plant little seeds, you're going to be real hard pressed not to experience something that blows your mind. I would love to hear back if, uh, or when, depending on if you do the work, you have that experience. And uh, they'll compound on top of each other. They'll happen more and more frequently. It'll become the norm. Well, we're looking forward to it. And Jason, thank you so much for coming back and having uh, some more conversation with us. And that guided meditation was, was great. You can catch all of Jason's uh, creations. Uh, if you just go to his website, uh, it's jasontaylor.com. Uh, or you can go to his YouTube page, Jason Taylor, Creation Creator. You can also check out his Instagram, no drinks on the piano. Yeah, that's just rude. Don't don't put the drinks on the piano. And other than that, thank you a thousand times, and we hope to have you back in future seasons. Cool. I'd love to. Thank you so much, gents. Again, thank you, Jason, so much for taking the time out to talk to us today. We genuinely appreciate it, and... As always, we like to end our episodes with a little bit of audience engagement. Mike, what are you thinking about this week? This week, I would like our audience to tell us what they do before they start a painting or a performance, a recording or singing a set or putting words to paper. What do you do to center yourself to get ready to create? That's a, that's a great question, Mike. And if you are on any of our social medias, our Facebook is www.facebook.com slash activelistenerspod. And you can find us on Twitter at actlistpod. That's A-C-T-L-I-S-T-P-O-D. And you can join the conversation. Peace.
you like what you hear, leave us a rating. And if you really like what you hear and you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash active listeners pod and become a patron. Our theme music, It's a Trap, was created by Remodel. Thanks for listening.